C.S. Lewis said, if the Bible is the Himalaya mountains, then Romans 8 is Mount Everest. John Piper, pastor, uh, retired now, but writer, speaker, the greatest book in the world is the Bible. The greatest letter in the Bible is the book of Romans. The greatest chapter in that letter is Romans chapter 8. And he goes so far as to say, and the best verse in that chapter is verse 1, which is what we're going to look at here this morning. I, uh, I tend to agree with, with them. I think the book of Romans is the greatest book in the New Testament. I'm convinced the greatest chapter and the greatest book is Romans chapter 8. I understand that's opinion, but that's, that's my opinion. So, starting today and for the next four weeks, we have the privilege and the honor to work through some of, if not the best riches, the greatest truth in God's owner's manual for our lives. So, if you haven't already, open up your Bible to Romans chapter 8. Uh, get on your phone, dial up Romans chapter 8, and if you're able... Would you stand with me? We're going to read the first four verses out loud together. You ready? This is God's book. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we get the opportunity right now to study your book. And uh, it's not just any book, Lord. Uh, these are inspired words that you've just allowed us to say out loud together. And now we get to dig in together. So would you help us to understand and comprehend what it is you're saying? Show us, Lord, not just what these words say. Would you make it clear what they mean to us here this morning? We pause, Lord. Lots of my friends here in the church family, Lord, have been going through some rough times. And uh, I just want to pray for some of them specifically. I pray for a couple who just are recovering from surgery. Keith Greenwald, Greg McGeorge. John Penfold, Lord, I pray for Steve Murray and Rachel Fair, and Lord, I, I suspect there are others that I didn't get written down. I pray for healing and grace upon them as well. I pray for marriages that are in danger. I pray for those who are watching online, who are lonely and discouraged with life. I pray for us here in the building. Some of us are frustrated and angry with this world we're living in. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with fear and worry. Lord, I pray for those who uh, have an addiction, a fatal flaw that's destroying their life. I pray for some victory here, starting even today. 
Lord, we look to you, the good shepherd. Bring comfort and hope. Bring grace and mercy, Lord. We have lots of widows here and widowers in your church family. And I pray, Lord, that again, we as a church family will love and support and care for each and every one of those in the family. We invite your spirit now, Lord, to be welcome today because this is your church. So we welcome you today in your church. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's only through your spirit, Lord, that life change occurs. So we yield and we surrender right now to you. And all the church family watching online, those here in the building, said with one strong, united voice. You can be seated. It's important before we go charging in to chapter 8 that we look at what led up to chapter 8. Make sense? Because 8 isn't a standalone letter. Romans is all one letter. And what he says in chapter 7 uh, helps us to understand what's going on in chapter 8. So if you've got your Bibles, look at Romans chapter 7. And just, just take a peek at verses 14 to 25. Um, Paul says there, let me summarize, that there's struggle in the Christian life. All of us still have a struggle. Uh, I know what I should do to please the Lord. I, I know what God's book says. I, I know through his spirit what it is I should do or what I should say and what I should not do and what I should not say. But the struggle that Paul describes here is we tend at times to do just the opposite. Have you noticed that? You know what you should do. You know what you should say. You should watch it here. And for some reason, there's something inside of us that, that does exactly the opposite of what we know we should be doing. Look at verse 15. Here's what he describes. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but I wind up doing what I hate to do. Uh, Lord, help me to be patient today. And a few hours later, now I've lost my patience. Lord, help me with my mouth. And then you find that afternoon I've lost control of my words one more time. Lord, help me with my anger. Help me with my frustration. Uh, I exploded on my coworkers. I yelled at my family. Lord, help me with my fear and my anxiety. And it's not too long. And now suddenly, Lord... I'm overwhelmed with worry. Now, here's the truth. We all struggle in different ways. What, what you struggle with is likely different than what I struggle with. But the truth is we live in a sin-cursed world. And we still have an old sinful nature. This side of heaven means, listen, we still have this battle going on in us between our old sinful selfish natures and our new nature in Christ. There's this war going on. Now Romans 7 is blunt and honest, and it says just because we know Jesus as Lord and Savior doesn't mean we no longer struggle. Sometimes we think, well, I'm a Christian now. I shouldn't be tempted. That's not true. 
we're still tempted by sin and Satan and living in this fallen, sinful world. Look at verse 25. Here's what he says. What a wretched man I am. He concludes, look at this. Uh, Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death and keeps doing what I don't want to do? Which makes Romans 8, 1 even more breathtaking. (laughs) Romans 8 and verse 1 is just something that should just jump at us. Therefore, okay, with all that he's just talked about in Romans 7 in mind, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Just let that sink in. No condemnation for anyone who's in Christ Jesus. That's an hallelujah point. Chapter 7, I still daily battle with sin. How awful must my condemnation be by Christ? He must be really mad at me. He must be really sorry that he ever picked me to be a part of his family. And then I go back to verse 1. Look at it. Here's here's the answer. How awful must his condemnation be? Uh, Verse 1, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Literal rendering of the Greek here is, there is no condemnation, none whatsoever, for the believer in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, none whatsoever, for anyone who is a believer in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is a legal term. It means to charge someone who owes a debt. Tracking? Somebody who owes a debt, now you are charged. You are condemned, okay? For those who are in Christ, there's no longer a charge. Why not? Because the debt has been paid. Make sense? There's no longer a charge because somebody paid the debt. And we're thinking, how can that be? I still wander. I'm still sinning. I still mess up. I still stumble and fall and fail. And we all still struggle with sin. How can that be? Jesus paid the debt. Just just let it soak in. Jesus was fully condemned for all my sin. Jesus was fully condemned for all of your sin. He paid the debt in advance on the cross. That's what he's saying here. Jesus paid the debt. How many of you have an Amazon account? Can I, can I see your hands? Amazon, go ahead, you confess. This is good. I've, we've got one. How many of you become pretty good friends with the UPS driver? Can I see you? No, okay. Yeah, visits often. Let, let's just say you got that Amazon account and you get carried away, okay? And uh, you, you, you're having expensive merchandise delivered every day, and it goes on for weeks, and now months, and now Mr. Visa sends you a letter, and he says, you've reached your limit. <laughs> your current charges are north of your limit. You, you owe more than $25,000. And you recognize, I don't have the income, and I don't have the savings to pay this bill. But a generous friend hears of your situation and he pays the $25,000 plus that you owe and he contacts 
your creditor, and he says, oh, by the way, I'm going to take care of any future bills. And you're thinking right now, um, there's no friends like that, PJ. <laughs> and I would say, what a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend. Why? Jesus' death on the cross wiped out not only the current debt condemnation, Jesus wiped out the possibility of any future condemnation. Do you realize that? He wiped out your current debt and any future debt that you might ever owe. Jesus will not reject you because you still struggle with sin. Isn't that good news? Christ loves us. He accepts us. He frees us from condemnation. Lots of Jesus' followers, I would even probably say most, we think I have to work. I have to earn, I have to perform, I have to become more and more like Jesus, and then God will accept me, and then God will love me, and then God will forgive me. And I like how uh, Rankin Wilborn put it. Okay, here's what he said. God doesn't love you to the degree that you are like Christ. He loves you to the degree that you are in Christ. And that's always 100%. If you'll understand that, if the Lord will help you grasp this, it'll change your life. It's not what you do. It's not doing and earning and performing. It's accepting what Christ has done on our behalf. And once... You're on the done system. Your acceptance is 100%. This is huge, everybody. It really is. God's not angry with us when we fall and fail and struggle. But we tend, track, we tend to get angry and frustrated and feel shameful and condemned of ourselves. Okay? So that's how we feel about us when we fail and struggle. And then we assume that must be how God views me. That, that, that has to be how God looks at us. He's got to be mad. He's got to be angry. He must hate us too. You ever been around a toddler learning how to walk? <laughs> it's kind of fun. But, you know, they'll, they'll take... Great Grandma Sue, you, 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 they take a step or two and then bam, fall. And, and then they'll take another step holding onto the table and plop. And then, you know, after a week or two, they might take three steps and fall. Six, seven steps, plop. Did you know that fathers don't usually spank children for falling? Have you noticed that? They don't. Why not? Because they're, they're excited. They're cheering them on. Come on. Try again. You can do it. We need to understand Jesus is actually cheering us on as we try to walk again after we fall. <laughs> and, and this time we take three steps and he's going, yes. He reaches out with arms of grace just like the prodigal son. Remember? He loves us. He accepts us as his children. Quick review. Okay, Romans 7, 14 to 25. We live in a sinful, fallen world uh, where even those of us who are in Christ 
still struggle. Why? Because we have a sinful, selfish part of us, and we have the new in us, and now you got this war going on in the inside. Second, 8-1. Jesus covered our debt. With his shed blood on the cross, we struggle, but the condemnation is gone. Okay? Follow me. The condemnation is gone for past sin, present sin, future sin. Is that, is that, are you even thinking with me? All your past sin, present sin, future sin, condemnation is gone. I can see Mel Gibson uh, with a blue face shouting right now, Freedom! Sorry about that. But I'm really not. It's true. Freedom is now suddenly ours. Verses 2 to 4. The Lord has provided the power for victory and freedom, even though we struggle. The Lord has made provision. Look at verse 2 with me. Read along. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the, what is it? Mosaic law, God's law was perfect, but it pointed out the struggle. It didn't give it any power to overcome the struggle, okay? It showed us where we messed up. Mosaic law shows us where we disobeyed, um, and the Mosaic law says obey perfectly, and there'll be no condemnation. What's the problem with that? <laughs> there is... No perfect human being other than the one put on the cross. Uh, the law of the Spirit says, Holy Spirit takes up residence in all of us who are in Christ. And it's God in me that gives us the power to live for Jesus. It's God in me, His Spirit alive and in us that gives us the power to see victory. Okay? We are forgiven freed from condemnation by the work of Jesus on the cross, sends his spirit into our lives at salvation, and it's that Holy Spirit in us that brings us freedom and victory through the power living in us, Christ in us, okay? Many times in the Gospels, here's what Jesus says, okay? He sets people free. He says, you're forgiven, now pick up your bed and walk. Remember that? Or the woman caught in adultery, John chapter 8. Everybody drops their rocks. Um, and now Jesus says your, your sins are forgiven, free from condemnation. Go and sin no more. Understand? Uh, so Jesus accepts us, forgives us, frees us from condemnation. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, Christ gives us the power to say no thank you to temptation. It's his power 
alive in us that brings us victory. No condemnation for believers, followers of Jesus. Why? Because God condemns sin in the death of his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 2, we're not quite done there yet. Jesus brought us new freedom. Verse 3, Jesus has given us new power. Verse 4, the Lord has given us new righteousness. Now, let's just pause, put those together. In Christ, we have new freedom, new power, new righteousness. There's no condemnation because what God required, he supplied through Jesus on the cross and giving us his spirit. So, here's the question. How much power is available? How much victory is possible in what Jesus has done for us? Um, let's think. How much, how much is there there? Okay? How much power and victory is possible? Look at verse 11. Here's the answer. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Let's go back to that again. And if the spirit, the Holy Spirit... Of, of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Wow. Okay. The very same spirit that empowered the greatest demonstration of power in all of history. What was that? When Jesus who was dead literally, bodily, physically, arose from the dead. Greatest demonstration of power. If that same spirit lives here, there's no shortage of power to live strong for Jesus. Would you not agree? Yeah, no shortage. There's, there's the same power is in us. I'm telling you, if you'll grasp that, It'll change you. It'll change how you think. It'll change how you speak. It'll change how we live. Review. We all struggle in all varieties of ways. The way you sin, the way you are tempted is probably different than the person sitting next to you. But we all struggle because we still have an old sinful nature that's still tempted by this fallen sinful world and Satan who's who's throwing fiery darts at every chance. Second, because Jesus paid the price on the cross, Jesus has covered our sin debt, and there's no condemnation. None in your past for your sin. None for the present sin that you're participating in and struggling with. And none in the future. Third, the Lord has provided the power for victory and freedom. Think about it. I now have all the power of Jesus Christ, his spirit. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is living right here. No power sh shortage here. Okay, Which means, those of us who know Jesus personally, three takeaways. This is for your, for your notes now. Okay, Got a pen? Here we go. Um, here's takeaway number one. We are eternally secure in Christ. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've said yes, 
If his spirit has taken up residence in your life, you are secure by the shed blood of Christ for all of eternity. So we're eternally secure, and then that makes us internally free from guilt and shame and condemnation. Is that that good news? Jesus loves us unconditionally, completely, eternally. Okay? We who are in Christ are secured and guaranteed by Jesus Christ. If it was guaranteed by my activity, by me always doing the right thing, that's a problem. But we're guaranteed by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and His shed blood, Jesus Christ, which means freedom. Say it to your neighbor. Freedom. Come on, turn to him. Freedom. That's what that means. That means freedom. Right? Um, second challenge is to daily surrender our lives to King Jesus. That's really where the rubber hits the road. Because most Christians believe, here's the answer, I just have to try harder. Right, Jose? I, I got to do better. I got I to make more effort. I, I got to make sure I, I'm doing better and, and that is the secret. And I would argue, no, no, no. That's the do system. That's the earn system. Work harder system. And that system got crushed by Jesus Christ on the cross. Okay? So it's, it's not do. It's done. And now I surrender to the giver of that system, Jesus Christ, as master of my life. It doesn't, it doesn't begin, victory doesn't begin by trying harder and earning it. Victory begins when I choose to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Do you see the difference? I'm not, it's not Jeff working harder. It's Jeff yielding and surrendering fully to Jesus Christ. Once we get surrendered, you Ready? Now I've yielded and surrendered. Now it's inviting the Spirit of Christ. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to fill my life. And the good fruit of the Spirit, once you yield and surrender and invite Jesus to take charge, that's where victory begins. Okay? It's like daily I choose to allow Jesus to take charge of my life. I hear people all the time. Pastor Jeff, I'm trying to come back to Jesus. Pastor Jeff, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try harder. I'm working at being a better person. I'm going to start coming to church. I, I'm going to try to get my act together. Do you see the deficiency in that thinking? It's me trying harder, and that's not where victory begins. It's not about me working harder. It's about me Fully surrendering to Jesus Christ. Total, complete, yielding, relinquishing control. That's where victory becomes available to followers of Jesus. Got to get off the do system. Got to get on the done system. I slide off the throne of my life. Okay? And, and at any given time, somebody's in charge of you. You know that, right? At any given time... It's either you on the throne 
or it's Jesus on the throne. And if it's you, that's that old, selfish, sinful you I'm talking about. And, and that takes us to really bad places. But if we can slide off yield and invite Jesus to take charge and let Jesus drive here. I'm, I'm going to get out of the driver's seat, Jesus. You come drive right now. Jesus, I need you. I'm desperate to see your resurrection power working in my life. Think about it. Resurrection power is available in you and in me, but it begins by surrendering. How are you doing on that? You've been working hard at trying to get your act together. I, I'm, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to try. I promise you, <laughs> that's going to end in frustration and failure every time. It's only the power of Jesus in you that makes victory and freedom fully available to us. Let's pray. Lord, we just pause for a moment and we invite you to come right now and apply your book to where we're at. We're all in different places. We all have different struggles. So we'd ask that you'd make yourself clear to us right now. Speak. We're listening, Lord. Here's my question as we close. Is it possible not much victory, not much freedom, not much fruit going on? Maybe instead there's a lot of guilt, shame, blame. Been working at getting better, trying harder. Trying to earn and merit the good stuff that the Lord has for you. Just missing. Could it be today that you've missed that complete surrender part? Jesus, I fully yield and surrender my life to you. ask the question is it possible that today you need to get off the do system and get on to the done accept what Jesus has accomplished for you you couldn't do it on your own none of us could he paid the price he took on my condemnation and yours Jesus is the one who fully paid the price. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. And not only has he paid the price, he supplied the power through the Holy Spirit. And if you're in Christ here this morning, you have the same power living in you 
is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. say today, Lord, I need to completely and fully surrender my life to Jesus. I need to yield control. I need to allow Jesus full control of my life. That's the starting point. Enough of the trying and doing. I'm going to yield and surrender and ask you, Jesus, to work in me Anybody? I'd like to pray with you, for you. If you're watching online, hit that prayer button. That's me. Lord, get off the do and get on the done and accept what Jesus has done and the power of his spirit in me. I'm convinced anytime you can go and be with people and share where you're at, They'll, they'll pray over you and you confess what's going on. That's powerful. Please know right now the prayer corner is open. You can head on over there even right now or sometime while the music's playing. Make your way over there. They'd love to pray with you and pray for you right now. Finally, I just need to say, could be you're struggling because the Holy Spirit's never taken up residence in your life. Could be your struggle, your frustration, your shame is all about you don't know Jesus. You've never yielded and surrendered and invited him into your life to take charge for the first time. If that's you, here's what you need to know. The gospel is made up of facts. Historical verifiable facts. What are they? Jesus took on human form, lived a sinless life. Therefore, Jesus qualifies to be the sinless Lamb of God. He willingly took the hit for my sin and yours, shed his blood for our condemnation. He, he took that condemnation. He took our place in the grave early Sunday morning, victoriously arose. He did that for you. Those are facts. Jesus, I believe those facts for me. And by faith and act of my will, Jesus, I open up the door of my life. And Jesus, I receive you as my King, my Savior, my Lord, my forever friend. At that moment, it's called justification. At that moment, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our the power source to live the Christian life becomes a part of us, God in us. Lord, work powerfully. Live in a sinful, wandering world that uh, is tempting a part of us. Give us victory as your church family. Help us to shine bright as we walk and allow your power source, the Holy Spirit, to work in us today and in this week ahead. We love you. It's good to be your kids. Thank you for the powerful words found in Romans chapter 8. It's in Jesus' name we pray.